Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here to talk about the upcoming conference. So Anita, tell us your story. Who is Anita? What's your background? And and how did you get into the work that you're doing now? Well, uh, grew up in a small town in North Carolina. Uh, left there after undergrad and uh, went to uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands, where, interesting enough, I had gone there to do some urban development around uh, housing. I get there, the job that I had arranged for, uh, the person that had a massive heart attack, and I was the daughter of a school principal and a teacher, and I had said I would never teach because I had helped them grade so many papers. What do I do when I get to the Virgin Islands? I teach uh, and um, because there was a shortage. But that was the beginning of what I started to understand is that uh, it's best to perhaps have a job, but also be an entrepreneur, have an enterprise. I spent many years in the, you know, in the Virgin Islands after a major hurricane devastated the island. I left, came back. But all through my career, I've kind of straddled between uh, thoughts of enterprise and also working a, a day job. And uh, finally, in uh, 2007, I was vice president of workforce development uh, board in Florida, where I had lived many years coming back from the Virgin Islands. And um, I finally took the plunge and stopped kind of straddling the, the, the fence because I felt I had put up some things in place and I became a full-time entrepreneur and that was 14 years ago. And there's been a lot of uh, magnificent highs along the journey and there's been, you know, some challenges, but uh, when I reflect, I wouldn't change a thing. And that's my story, long story short. <laughs> Long story short. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So you were invited to be a speaker at the Homepreneur Summit. Why did you decide that this was a, an event that you wanted to speak at? 
Well, there's several reasons. Um, there's a, a quite popular book uh, that uh, someone named uh, Jim Collins wrote. Um, many people have read it from good to great. And he talks about uh, that people always say that uh, entrepreneurs are the risk takers. But he said, as we were moving in to this globalized, technologically uh, focused world that we're in, that the risk taker is someone who just has a job. And more and more part of my work uh, globally is, is speaking and sharing tools and strategies that I have found to work not only in my life, but to encourage people to look at their strengths and their talents and their, their interests and see how you can uh, monetize it. I think what really put me on this mission, I was doing a, an, an enterprise workshop in uh, Nigeria and there were like 200 women that came to the first day. And uh, I was talking about same topic that I'll be sharing uh, here. Uh, turning your passion into purposeful profits. And these women all could sew, all had a talent. They went and they told other women in the, in the village. And by the time the three-day conference was over, there was over 700 women who had gave me their names saying, please help me to figure out how I can take what many viewed as a hobby, how they could make that into a business. And so when I saw this, I was excited and elated and honored to be a part of it because Homepreneurship is critical. And if people would stop and look at a lot of the businesses that are now uh, considered to be, you know, global conglomerates, most of the time the, the entrepreneur started their business in their home, in their basement. And so people can, can do that. They just need the strategies and tools. So that's why I said, you know, yes, without a second thought. Wonderful. I love what you said about um, <clears throat> openers need to be taken seriously. Uh, in, in the initial newsletter about introducing this series, the first newsletter, I wrote that um, sometimes homepreneurs are dismissed as being frivolous or you know, it's a frivolous venture or it's not serious or it's just some cute hobby. But I think that's false because there's so many men and women around the world who run businesses from home that are very successful, that employ lots of people, that um, really contribute to, to their, their community and, to the, and just to the economic activity in the city or village or wherever they live. So I don't think we should, we should um, be so dismissive of, of homepreneurs, especially now in this COVID era. Oh, most most definitely, because you you went just where I was thinking that uh, probably 80 percent of people are now homepreneurs, and probably at one point when when we were on total lockdown in most locales around the world, probably close to a hundred percent of people were working out of the home. And if you stop and you look, if if anybody has ever heard the name Amazon, if they check the check. Uh, Bezos' story, he started in his home. And so more and more though, people, uh, because of COVID-19, they are realizing that uh, they can work out of their home 
quite efficiently and effectively. And I remember I was at a business trip and had a Uber driver that was a retired business consultant from Chicago. And uh, he was saying he was talking to a good friend of his who has uh, had several uh, offices in the Sears Towers. And his friend was saying, you know, as a result of COVID, he realized he didn't need all of this space, that a lot of the jobs, you know, could people could work from home. And he was paying, you know, millions. He said in just shutting down one of his office spaces in this very expensive uh, business tower, he would, he would save a million dollars a month. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, everything starts small and it, most things start at home and then they grow. And I think sometimes people um, forget that everything has to start somewhere. And that somewhere was very small. And then it grew through hard work and tenacity and effort and, and all the other things that it requires to build a business. And what you see now started someplace. So, and that, that place was probably at home. Exactly, exactly. And uh, folks have to really respect, you know, the entrepreneur, the, the home entrepreneur, uh, because it does start with an, with an idea. And uh, many uh, entrepreneurs, can, even as they grow, and they may have sites where they operate their services or they fulfill their products, but uh, the, the CEO or the visionary behind it, they continue to work out of you know, their home. We have to get beyond these preconceived notions about what defines a business or you know an enterprise, uh, because that limited thinking often hinders us. Everybody has a, a divine talent, I believe, that they were gifted with at birth that could be monetized, that that's their treasure. That is that is their their gift. It, just like everybody's DNA is different, everybody has a, a, a an innate skill that they were born with that just comes naturally. That could be grown right. into a business, and right. so more and more people don't understand that or recognize it, or they too uh, have bought into what defines an entrepreneur. So they're waiting. To, uh, what I say for the stars to all line up that they gotta have the, you know, so much money. They got to have, you know, the logo. They got to have an office space. None of that, all of that, especially this virtual world, there's so many businesses that have been in, that are in the virtual space prior to COVID that uh, they don't have office. They go to a, you know, a common sharing place. So people have got to change their mindset and they just got to appreciate their talents and their skills and figure out you know, if they seriously want to monetize it and make it to a business. And so that's what I hope to encourage people, you know, to really look at and consider what you can do with the product and service that you have. And you might be doing it as though it's just a hobby. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about uh, what are you going to be speaking about and just kind of give us like the main takeaways from, from what you're going to be sharing with the audience? Well, as I said, um, what I'm gonna share is something I entitled turning passions into purposeful profits. And um, what I'm gonna be sharing is some key steps as 
for how anyone can take something they're passionate about, uh, something they may be doing from a product uh, to a service, and some key steps for growing that into a viable business that's very simple and that everybody can, you know, that they can do. So I'll be offering some strategies and some tools that someone can use to go from, oh, you know, I, I love making dresses uh, to how to uh, get that product out into the marketplace some of the key steps and and I share what I call the the you know the nine Ps and so I'm going to be sharing uh, those because passion will get you started but you know persistence will get you to the end and one of the things that uh, I'm I, I'm very very keen on is what I call purposeful profits that um I believe strongly that uh, entrepreneurs, uh, as they often do, should reach back and help others. So whether that is through letting somebody intern, somebody you sharing tools for them to learn from your, your success, um, or either your business being a tool uh, to provide uh, employment in your community so it helps to elevate the quality of life for you know for others so that's why the it's called not just profits but purposeful profits because i think that divinely the more you give the more you get and um so i kind of share that but those are the the highlights and those are going to be the takeaways it's taking that hobby taking that skill uh, looking at it and, and this, you know, thinking innovatively and, and creatively and thinking about how many, how you can take that product and staying true to it because you have got to, and what I want people to understand, we all have to listen to that inner spirit because they'll, they're always going to be discouragers and naysayers along the way. But you can't listen to that. I if I, I there's a book called Unstoppable, and it it tells the story of the different people in different industries where people have said, "Oh no, forget that." You know, um, Diana Ross and Ray Charles are in there, for example. They were told they couldn't sing, so forget it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, with the Walkman, you can't. So you can't listen to you know to to people. You have to. Uh, follow your dream seed and um, and being a homepreneur that cuts out a lot of the you know some of the overhead costs so you can give your idea your dream a, a try right right I love what you said I'm gonna call it triple p so everyone can remember Anita Anita Davis before her 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 talk is about triple p purpose per passion into purposeful profits yes i love that love that <laughs> i like that a lot okay so that's what people will be hearing from you and finally can you tell us is there anything in particular you're looking forward to and and why should people attend well i find that in in this day and age we learn so much from each other and I always call these kinds of events learning circles because every speaker, every attendee that asks a question, uh, we learn from each other. 
because nobody knows it all. And so that's what I'm always looking forward to in uh, everything I attend, because I learn something new every day. So I just encourage people to come because you may, not you may, you definitely will uh, get a strategy or tool. You'll make a connection. Uh, it, it's always value added. And people do business with people and, yeah. and say that, uh, I'll take it out a step further. People, it's through relationships and by building relationships, that's how many uh, business opportunities come your way, uh, information. And so the larger the array of people that are in your village that you can speak to, the better it, you know, it is. So that's what I'm looking forward to because I always learn something. Yes. And I mean, even from our short, our short exchange on this podcast, there's so much to learn from you. So thank you so much for sharing with us. It was my honor and pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Anita is going to be a speaker at the conference. And personally, I'm looking forward to hearing everything that she has to say. So thanks again, Anita, for joining us and see you at the conference. Bye for now. I know. Bye. See you then. Hello, Shirley, and welcome to the Rivers podcast. All right. Thank you so much, Joanne. I am so happy to be here. I know. I'm really happy to have you as a guest to speak about mm -hmm. your participation as a speaker in the upcoming summit. So yeah. to begin, tell us a little bit about your story. Who is Shirley and how did she get to where she is today? Okay, uh, thank you so much, uh, Joanne. My name is Shirley Murphy. Once again, I'm a journalist and a publisher, global labor event and business magazine. I'm a family life coach, media consultant, an entrepreneur, uh, founder of Mary Child with God Initiative and founder of Pat Parent International. Now, uh, my story of who Shelly is uh, resonates around my purpose, my passion, and of course, who I am. Um, I will just uh, try to keep it very simple and, and quick. I remember back when I was uh, very young, I think about uh, six, seven, I will pick, uh, I was so, uh, interested back then, as small as I was in the you know, broadcasting, news broadcasting, I'll pick old newspaper of my dad or uncles around them. And then I remember I couldn't read or write, but I was in the primary school, you know, back then uh, in, the, in the village. So I'll just pick the newspaper, I'll position myself on a table, <laughs> you know, yeah. with a seat, and I'll just you know, raise my head up and put it down like I'm reading the news. So, and from there, I I went I, I, I went into the secondary school. I remember some of my older friends or cousins and uncles who used to tell me, Shirley, I don't know why you talk too much. This is your mother. I don't know what you I don't know what you want to become. You talk a lot. You talk a lot. So as of that time, some of them were like, maybe you're going to become a lawyer or something. And well, I just knew I talk. And later on, and when I finished secondary school, I went into the polytechnic. I started uh, ONG, studying mass communication. It was from there, after my ONG, that passion, you know, going into uh, the media 
fully, you know, came back on me. And I, I remember I told a, a, a senior friend then that, just, that was working in a magazine that come, I want to start a magazine. I want to be a, become a publisher of a magazine. And it was like, <laughs> how much do you have? You don't have experience. You don't, you know, you don't know how to go about it. So I will advise you go work in a, an organization, a media organization to gain experience and of course know how to go about it. And as at that time, you know, I'm this kind of person that when I need something, I want to go all out to get it, you know, with regardless of what and what is on the way. And right. I, I didn't see the fact that I need to have money, you know, right. I need to get experience. That didn't done on all I wanted was I want to become a publisher. I want to own a magazine house. And with all that he was telling me, although he was telling me the truth, but I was I wasn't happy, you know. I was like somebody this man is trying to, you know, discourage me. And he said, right. No, this is what you have to do. And of course, which was what uh, I, I began to do. I, I saw myself I working in a, a media a media house, a magazine house, then Labor Observer. And from there I went into other media houses. And the last place I worked before I started was the newspaper where I worked for a year without a dime, without an, an allowance, without mm. any sense of incentive. But I remember because the, it was something I was passionate about. It was, it was, I discovered it as my calling. I discovered right. it as part of my purpose. So I went all that without uh, looking back at all that I was going to because I- Thanks so much for sharing that. Okay, so what I want to find out from you now is, tell us a little bit more about what you're going to be discussing at the summit. At the summit, I'll be discussing identifying and embracing your purpose for transformation in your business, your career, your life. Shirley, tell us what are the key takeaways that you'd like people to um, to glean from your talk at the summit? Okay, mm, the, 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 the key takeaways is for women to know unequivocally that there is no force that can be equal to the strength of a woman that is determined and ready to rise. Because we are called to be architects of our lives and of course the future and not a victim. You know, no one can actually stop a woman or anybody that is that, that, that will not quit. If you don't quit in what you're doing, if you don't stop your journey, they will definitely get to where you're going. So that's the point. So before you start any line of business or anyone starts any line of business, first and foremost, you need to ask yourself, what kind of difference do you want, do you intend to make and discover your preference? You want to become a solution and not to add to the world's problem. So, and of course, you need to find out how you intend to go about shining your light. So you need to know your purpose. Know that your purpose has been tailored in you through your ideas, your passion, your desires, your talents, mm -hmm. your gifts, and of course, your dreams. So you have seeds of greatness deposited in you for exploit, but you have to play your part to bring it forth. God has done his part, so it's, it's now left for us you know, to do our part, embrace who we are, what you carry, remain focused and appreciate who you are. Gain clarity on your purpose. Knock off every negative emotions, fear, self-doubt, inferiority complex, and I think I'm not good enough, and she's better than me, he's better than me. No, you need to right. you know, just let that be behind you and right. get fixed you know, on where you are going to allow 
don't allow anyone to talk you out of your purpose because definitely in my journey i have had a whole lot of people that have tried to tell me come this magazine what are you doing that is different from you know i i already read it in the news i'm already read it in other newspapers so what is different you know <laughs> so why don't you just stop it and and get something doing some something else doing and i keep telling of course there are times that i feel like maybe i should just stop this and think of something else no yeah. but i'll just come back and say no that's that is a no no i must move ahead to where i'm going so definitely you have to you know get ready to bet new ideas that will bring about a rapid transformation for your life and business and of course after the summit i believe that we're going to have a lot of women that will rise and shine yeah. that's so that i i love how you said that i love how you said that now since you brought up the summit again i want to ask you why is this important to you this home preneur summit why did you decide to get involved and what should people know in particular about <coughs> excuse me homepreneurs mm. okay homepreneurs 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 basically is about uh, people doing business from home homepreneurs home workers people doing their businesses from home and um, thanks to covid you, you can you agree with me that almost everybody now is doing business from home in yes, these days absolutely in the context of what we are discussing for the summit right. i think we are looking at uh, women in the small uh, sector the small uh, scale businesses who are working hard to make contributions and of course to support their families and of course you know stay empowered this is who i am and this is what i do i help this set of women you know through my initiative you know women reaching with god initiative we help these women through counseling you know we help them discover their area that they need to make a difference just like i talked about before you go into business you need to discover you know know what area you intend to make a difference so we help through counseling to to help this women to this women discover what area they intend to make a difference of course be empowered gain visibility in their business help them move from low level entrepreneurs to becoming uh, one of the ranking in the high profile entrepreneurs so we support them through entrepreneurial trainings skill acquisitions marketing for their business so interestingly the international level organization that's the ILO has recently called for a better protection for home preneurs or you call them home workers because due to the covid we now have um 260 million home workers worldwide and interestingly for you to know 147 million of them are women meaning that according to its report ILO is advocating for to ensure that more women more visibility is given and a better protection is given to home preneurs and that is what the summit is seeking to achieve to you know uh, try to make sure that we give more visibility to the home preneurs so the conference is quite apt and with this report it shows that home preneurs are likely to take on greater importance in years to come so mm. we need to continue you know to amplify their voices collaborate with organizations that are supporting home preneurs worldwide and which is what uh, the summit is seeking to achieve to you know support home preneurs to let them know that 
their struggle is our struggle. We are in this together because when a woman is empowered, you know, the whole nation, the whole world, let me put it that way, stands to benefit. And I keep telling people that the future is women. By the time women all around us are empowered, are well positioned, raises their, their status quo is being raised, their voice is being raised, the world will become a better place. So that's it. And the last question I have for you, my dear Shirley, is why should people attend the summit? Okay. The summit um, is, is designed for more of women, but of course, any man, of course, you definitely find men around us. So the summit, uh, at this summit, we are advocating for more equal world for women through empowerment and skill acquisitions and of course, entrepreneurial trainings for women in business. So this is the right place for that woman that desire a shift from zero level to uh, a level of visibility. It is a summit that is designed for that sit-at-home moms, mm -hmm. for that woman that has been finding it difficult to balance between family, business, and of course, our career. This is an event where uh, women come together. You know, when, when women come together and speak in one voice, mm. mountains are moved. We have a lineup of super multi-talented women that will be sharing their stories to inspire, encourage, and of course, 27 and of course, on the 28th, where you will gain more clarity to your life, gain ideas to becoming that super you, and of course, rocking year 2021 in style. So I invite women around wherever, all over the world, because it's a global event, you know, not to miss the summit, mark your calendar, and of course, register to attend. And I would like to see you at the conference. So that's it, Joanne. That's wonderful, Shirley. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And Ooh. more importantly, I look forward to seeing you at the conference. Definitely, dear. Welcome, Chetna, to the Rivers podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I know. I'm really, really pleased to have you on to speak about the wonderful summit that's coming up and to share a little bit more about you with yeah. our audience. So to begin, Chetna, tell us your entrepreneurial story. Oh, yes, uh, sure. I I I am Chetna and I own a, a, a theater organization. I'm a founder of Rangbhumi, an applied theater organization. And well, to start with, uh, I didn't not when I started, I did not have any role model of this business at all, because in India, there are not, in fact, any applied theater universities, college courses, organizations. So I had to begin uh, working on it from the scratch and this was about 10 years ago and uh, I was keen on performing arts theater right from the well, way uh, back right in my childhood and so when I started to create this ideation 
a lot of my childhood uh, you know skills helped me and i also went to the national school of drama in new delhi which is a very prestigious theater institute but i had to leave it in between because my father would uh, tell me that you know you must have a secure job and he was rightfully so in the way he thought so i pursued my corporate career and then when i moved out of my marriage which was about 12 13 years years of marriage i took this decision and i thought this is my time to kind of create my dreams so i named my organization as rangbhumi which means the land of colors i gathered all my experiences did some courses uh, from mentors outside of india created my curriculum and now uh, we our curriculum is with many schools many corporate institutions and ngos around india and outside too wow that's excellent that is yes. excellent so what what exactly what exactly do you do uh for like what mm-hmm. services do you provide at the at the theater oh yes sure um i'd love to say more on this um so applied theater is is as a theater of everyday life it is generally people know of applied theater as what you see on the stage and you watch you witness and you experience you move on you might have conversations you know while you come back on your right way back home but applied theater is uh, it comes from uh, it from the usfa was coined in the early 2000s and it's been there also earlier i mean the work of flight theater has been happening in brazil and us uh, of a in in 60s and the early 50s so it is generally uh, what it was generally done in the spaces where it were there were war stricken families civil war areas to create more communion more harmony and equal dialoguing opportunities for people so now over the years it is gain its um, it, its space in the academia and the corporate circles so applied theater works in the area of psycho social therapeutic uh, spaces it is used as also sometimes a space of catharsis so we work um as an integrated curriculum partners with schools and also with the larger corporations and also with the ngos uh with themes uh, like uh, gender sensitivity unconscious bias feminine leadership um systemic oppression that people face in the systems of governance or maybe education yes this is what we do that's incredible work chetna well done to you incredible thank you <laughs> yeah so let's let's move into the summit a little bit so why yeah. do you believe this summit is so important why why did you decide that you wanted to be a part of it you wanted to be a speaker what what's so special to you about this global homepreneur summit well i think um let me first thank i'm um, in deep gratitude to vedanti that um, this is being thought of i think the whole space of the idea itself is so powerful um by the whole uh, i think the name itself sometimes the names is 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 so much energy is about homepreneurs so i think the summit is 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 calling and especially in the cultural context that uh, we are in i am in in india especially and maybe some other spaces uh, i would say uh, it gives uh, it gives a space of empowerment a space of doing a space of conscious choices and decisions for anybody man especially or a woman especially that it is about the summit to create more and step out and be who they are 
You know, you don't have to think if I may, I may not. So I think the whole idea, I think it really attracted me because I wish, you know, I had something like this 10 years ago, but yes, it's here. And that's why it pulled me. I, I just closed my eyes and clicked on the button that I'm going to be there. <laughs> Brilliant. And you are a speaker. So tell us a little bit about the topic you're going to be speaking about and how this topic is, is helps entrepreneurs in particular. Oh, sure. Um, so the work I do um, is, as I said, the, is the area of applied theater. Uh, the modalities that we use in applied theater are very immersive and participatory where the audience is never silent. It is, it, uh, the audience is a very, very highly engaged and participatory. Um, we, in fact, we don't call them as spectators, we call them as spect actors. So they occupy the space of the stage. So the whole claiming of the space is something which I'm very keen to share with all the people where I'm gonna speak at the summit, is claiming their spaces and, and there are processes where like in our arts, uh, in applied theater, we call it as the forum theater work in the image, uh, in the theater of the oppressed work by Augusto Boal uh, developed in Brazil, where we do a piece of forum or a, or a systemic um, scene of oppression and anybody can call a stop and come back on the stage and claim what is going wrong and what is their possibility. So it's a theater of possibility, a theater of future. So borrowing this work, of possibility, creating a future, uh, calling a stop and claiming back your space is what I think uh, that, 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 that my conversation can create. So beyond art, where people look at art as stage, lights, but art theater is more than that. So beyond that, I'm gonna talk about how I have borrowed practices of uh, decisions, possibilities, creating future, rehearsal for future, in the space of the summit and, and sharing my journey in this space to all the audiences there. Brilliant. And is there any um, particular thing or, or idea that you're looking forward to at the summit or maybe a particular person you wanna hear speak or something? Well, um, I, I, I probably would be keen to look at um, Listening to people who, um, especially if, if you know, we, I'm just talking about maybe it's just the woman that we all are trained into is, is looking at um, the decisions and, the, on, and decisions on the finances and the strategy, because it's so skewed in the gender uh, space that we work at that numbers are for women and strategies are, numbers are for men or strategies are, are for men. Um, you know, I have never seen a book which is titled as Numbers for Men, a Strategy for Men. So I'm looking at the ideas at the summit where we could feel that we are equally, we belong to the space of numbers, finances, strategy. Yes, so that's that's what I am looking forward to. I love what you said. I love what, all of what you just said, finances and strategy. <laughs> because I think a lot yeah. of the times when, when we talk about women entrepreneurs, we don't associate them with finance and, and strategy. So right. I, yeah. And why do you think that is that we do that when we have conversations about women entrepreneurs or homepreneurs who majority of them happen to be women? Why is the conversation always limited? Why, why don't you, you sort of get a, a broad like breadth of, of, of entrepreneurial conversations and debate where women are concerned? 
or when mm. women are concerned. Yeah, I think it's a great exploration and we keep doing this in our performances too and try to dig it deeper. Well, I think it's, it's, it's also, I think, I don't know why, I think each woman, any woman, I'm not even getting into the marital status, married, unmarried, whatever. I think each being um, is creating all the time. Are we not? All of us are creating. We're creating thoughts, we're creating structures, we're creating so much in our lives, even if we are not professionally engaged, but we're creating. So we all have the creation possibility. So one thing is for sure. So one, if this is sure, well, to also now go back at the other reality is probably the, histori the historical factor of the man going out and the hunter lives of getting back the animals and the food. Mm. And, and, and so, so all that may be over the years and the way that I have seen, maybe my reality was a little different because my grandmother, I saw, um, I, I heard stories of her being a single mother and raising three children. I have seen my mother uh, doing her own entrepreneurship work of a salon business and then, a, and then an entrepreneurship of a, of a stitching, uh, where she taught stitching to the girls around the right. neighboring areas. Yeah, but I think it's a lot to do with um, women being uh, looked at as just, as, as just cooks at home or mm. people who would clean and live after the house aesthetically. Well, I think is, I, I come back to my same point. It is creation. It is creation. Mm. So if we believe we all can create, I think we can take the next step of being empowered to create numbers and strategy out of that creation. Great. This is so wonderful. I can talk to you forever, Chetna. <laughs> yes, I can talk to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love what you said earlier about the, the training that you do at the theater, like a feminine leadership, mm -hmm. for example. Feminine uh -huh. leadership, how important do you believe that is for homepreneurs, particularly women homepreneurs? Mm -hmm. Maybe you can define what feminine leadership is first before we jump into why it's important. Well, sure. So, so I feel, um, you know, I, I, when I read Joseph Campbell's work of the hero's journey, and I was wondering that um, it's a hero's journey. What about the heroine's journey? So, uh, um, so I, I kind of got very intrigued and then I, I, I had a deeper reflection about my own life. And I was wondering why do I get a little nervous when I face a man across the board on negotiation skills mm. or when it comes to commercials or when it comes to even, even selling, you know, this, I, I, I feel now I love to sell my work. Why not? And so what is that makes me shrink, makes me go small. So I went back to the days where I, I felt that the only leadership model I had in my life were my uncles, my father, or my, or my brothers, you know, my, the, the men around me and how hard they worked, how hard they worked to get money. So I didn't have any, very, very any anybody as a feminine as a female leadership model, and also the men uh, were not owning up to their feminine uh, the energy because we all have I believe the masculine and feminine energy. So the owning up of the collaborator, the nurturer energy in us rather than the proving energy. So I feel the masculine definitely is required where there is a presence, there is definitely, a, you know, we want to, the, the advancing energy, yet we are also forgetting that we also are made of the collaborator uh, over the competition. So it's, it's, it's collaborating with the nurturer energy, 
the 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 being energy we're just with ease i think we feminine energy is about being and creating with the being so claiming back that feminine leadership you know so yes. um, yeah so i feel that is the 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 feminine leadership that i believe in and then i lo behold i got, i get to read the book by morin mudrock which is the mm. book titled the heroine's journey okay yes and it's a beautiful book i will recommend it to all the entrepreneurs the women entrepreneurs listening is to read that book because it talks about how we move from a cycle of being born and uh, being very great about ourselves and then the whole the patriarchy the corrupt patriarchy could be with even with women or men either and then how we lose ourselves and go into the dark underground the areas in in our lives and then what picks us back so this is the point i think all women listening is the time to get ourselves back in the feminine leadership circle mm, yeah and i yeah. i i will add to that that i i believe that um sometimes and i say this mm. as someone who used to have a career in a very male dominated industry. Uh-huh. <laughs> and sometimes uh-huh. I think that women get a little bit scared of associating mm-hmm. themselves with things with topics like feminine leadership, but it's mm-hmm. it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be scared of. I mean, we're women, right? And mm-hmm. we may not define our femininity in the same way, but it's it's a part of us. It's a part of who we are, and we shouldn't mm-hmm. feel that we should hide that. I think we should embrace that because I think when we embrace all aspects of ourselves we become better entrepreneurs and um so, yeah <laughs> and i and i think that if you're a woman and you're building something a business a project whether it's micro whether it's you know a startup whether you want to scale it and make it a large corporation it doesn't matter you mm-hmm. you i think you would be doing yourself a disservice if you if you extract that part of yourself which is feminine because that's powerful in business very powerful absolutely yes yeah so i mean we all don't have to we all don't have to define femininity in the same way we all won't yeah. there's no one way to have feminine leadership but whatever mm-hmm. it is and however you define it i you should definitely try to bring that to whatever you're building because i think with the world needs more of it especially now in the covid era yes 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 and and definitely as i say i think yeah you're right the world needs more of that of people just being in communion and harmony with mother nature and mm-hmm. i think uh, just just being in gratitude to what's happening with us and it's a call for all of us to to embrace that part of us that we have disintegrated and you know at the end i would i would also say that the feminine leadership is also about integrating the masculine in us too it's just yes. not the feminine yes, yes. absolutely yes. because we all yes. have the feminine and the masculine um Correct. but i think sometimes because it's business sometimes not all the time women feel like they have to be they have to only bring that masculine energy but i think you need both you need both yeah yes you need both you need uh-huh. both to 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 i think you need both in order to achieve whatever it is mm. your your vision or whatever it is you need both so don't try to mm. hide it or pretend that it's not there you just have to own it just have mm-hmm. to own it yes well chetna yes. this was a wonderful conversation thank you so much yes thank you so much ivan for um sharing this space with such ease and 
Uh, it was such a beautiful conversation. Yeah, it really was. I really enjoyed speaking with you and it was my absolute pleasure. And of course, we have to thank our buddy, Vigianti, our pal. <laughs> Yes, who made all of this possible. And more importantly, we're looking forward to seeing you at the the summit and uh, hearing what you have to say. And Mm -hmm. um, we wish everybody a great event. Those who do attend, that they have a a great time and that uh, they walk away with, if anything, feeling motivated to to get started and to, to do something, right? to build something. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, I'm looking forward to the summit and this is the first of its kind that we're witnessing. So I think this is going to be a beautiful start and it's a great time uh, to start. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Especially now because a lot of us uh, across the world are are stuck at home. So we need to do something. So why not now, right? Why not now? No better time than now. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Chetna. All right, guys, thank until you. next time. Bye for now. Hey there, rare ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.